Hello, I am Dr. Pamela Larde, and this is The Joy Whisperer, where we explore the science and the practice of joy as a catalyst for our relationships, our resilience, our restoration, and our resistance. Today, we are going to be diving into the shadows, those very shadows that we try to avoid. The key, though, is that when we are willing to dive into the shadows, into some of those parts of us that we don't either recognize or don't want to acknowledge, it does create a pathway to joy because it enables us to resolve some of those negative shadows, but it also allows us to take a look at some of those more positive shadows that we don't necessarily talk about to enhance the quality and the power of our lives. So we're gonna be looking at this from the standpoint of three truths. Truth number one, stand in your truth. Acknowledge your journey, acknowledge where you've been, your highs and your lows, because all of that, the whole of that journey makes up who you are. And you can own the parts of it and overcome other parts of it. So it's up to you, but you cannot do it if you don't stand in that truth. Number two, give voice to your inner voice. So when you are alone and things are quiet and you are hearing your your own voice speaking to you or you're hearing the voice of God or you're hearing the voice of wisdom that has been sort of imparted to you in different settings, listen to that and figure out what those messages are in that voice. So give voice to your inner voice. And then finally, recreate your future. When you understand what your journey is and what those shadows may be that you haven't uncovered, it gives you an opportunity to then plan for the future. Grab a friend, grab a pen, and let the joy whispers begin. My Shiro doesn't always wear a cape, but she always has time for a hug, a smile, for going the extra mile. My Shiro stretches every dollar, puts in long hours, puts others first. But now it's your time, Mom. When you're ready to retire, we want you to be able to enjoy it. It's time to start saving now. A free three-minute online chat can give you the personalized tips you need to start boosting your retirement savings today. Visit aceyourretirement.org slash Shiro. Honey, what I think you need is a socket wrench. I played JV basketball. I'm sorry. I don't think it looks right. This is good, and it's all good, baby. Is it really all good? If you love me enough to routinely test your handyman skills, not to mention the strength of your marriage, then of course you'll visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat to make sure I'm in the right car seat. Most of my family, they never graduated high school or even let alone go to college, so I'm trying to break that barrier. Every day after work, went straight to school, studied hard, and, and it paid off. I could not have done it alone. I see the future is really bright for me. The high school diploma is just added to the confidence, and now I feel unstoppable. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org. The thing that drives me every day as a dad is him. His real name is Darian, and we call him uh, Day Day for short. Every day he's hungry for something, whether it's affection, attention, knowledge. And there's this huge responsibility in making sure that when he's no longer under my wing, that he's a good person. I think the advice I would give is you don't need to know all the answers. The craziest thing was believing that your dad knew everything. So as a dad, you felt like you had to know everything. You had to get everything right. It's okay to make mistakes. Just do it from the right place. As long as it's coming from love, then, you know, it kind of starts to work itself out. I want him to be able to sit back one day and go, we worked together, we did a good job. I'll say my kid's pretty dope. Today's theory 
to live by is derived from the work of Carl Jung. His work has been highly influential in the world of psychology, and I came across this particular work around the shadows and digging into the shadows while reading an article about shadow coaching. And it's a type of coaching that helps the client sort of dig into some of the uncovered parts of themselves. And what's interesting is we often think that the shadows are the negative, um, more scary parts of ourselves. And actually, the shadows entail those parts of us that might be negative and debilitating, but it also um, points to those areas of strength that we have not tapped into, um, that we may have even intentionally avoided. So one of the things that really is a benefit of this shadow work, of this idea of sort of digging in to those elements of us that are not visible on the surface, is it, it, it allows us to really problem solve and understand why perhaps we might do some of the things that we do. Now, when we look at the negative versus the positive, I kind of want to dive into that just briefly. But the negative shadows really are often... Um, a, a source of shame for our shortcomings, the things that we don't do well, the traumas that may have happened to us, whereas the positives are more of a fear of diving into our strengths because where to whom much is given, much is required. So if we have a certain strength and we tap into it, we are then responsible for living that out. So today, I want you to think about the shadows and how that plays out with the topics we're going to be discussing today. For all research and resources displayed on today's show, go to thejoywhisperer.org and click on the episodes link for more information. It's time to tag a friend in this conversation. And when I am truly feeling my best is when I'm with all of my friends. Whether we're at a festival, we're at a show, we're camping, we're just at the beach. When we're all together, it's truly when I feel my best. Whether we're making music, making art, making drinks, or making food. When we're all together, making sure that we each have a wonderful time and helping each other have the best time. The truth number one is standing in your truth. And I really want to dive into this to just sort of break down what exactly that means. Our truth means accepting the fact that we are on the journeys that we are on. We've experienced what we've experienced, the good, the bad, the ugly, the beautiful. It's all a part of who we are. Once we own that and once we acknowledge those things, we have the opportunity to reshape what that experience and what those experiences meant to us. We may be able to disconnect and really say that was a part of my journey and I have now transformed or re, um, sort of recalibrated what that means for my life. Because when we understand what our truths are and we understand that journey and even why that journey might have been the path that we took, it gives us a bit more understanding in terms of what needs to happen next. What, what, what do I make of that for today? And where is that going to lead me in my future? So in my upcoming book, um, Joyfully Single, I talk about this idea of sharing, of, of sharing our truths, knowing our truths, but also having people who can sort of embrace us um, throughout that process. And so it's this idea of relativism for self, but also relativism from other people toward us. So what does that mean? Relativistic thinking is really this idea that I am not placing judgment on you. Um, it's all relative, if you've heard that statement before. And I am really understanding that your experiences, your experience, your behavior is really relevant to the to uh, relative to the journey that you've had, to the road that you've traveled. And likewise, my experiences and my behaviors are relative to the journey that I've traveled. And so, what I do is I accept you for that journey and the corresponding behaviors, and the corresponding mindset, because it is part of who you are. 
So when we have the ability to look at ourselves from that relativistic lens and we stop judging ourselves um, and we start accepting that this is the road that brought me to where I am today and now I get to make a decision about where I go from here. So that first idea around standing in your truth is embracing your truth, is understanding that this is where I am and this is where I, based on where I came from. So having a relativistic perspective of yourself. Now, once you've been able to, to really do that and embrace that, and this is not in any particular order, so I, I want to emphasize that as well. But as you're able to do that, it's, import, it's important to also em, have embrace other people or have a collective of people in your life who also perceive you from a relativistic standpoint. They are not judging you. They are embracing your journey and your experience and the person that you've become as a result. This is going to be a really important part to owning our truth because we can't own our truth um, in, on our own and in a vacuum and expect to thrive that way for the rest of our lives. Sure, there are going to be times where we are alone and we are going to need to have that skill set to be able to do that for ourselves. But we are human beings and we are a social species. And so we do need the love and the support of other people. So it is really important to be proactive in terms of how do you build that community or that network of people. And it just starts with one person, yourself. And how do you build that network of people who can embrace you and your journey? So relativistic perspective of self and relativistic people in your life who see you without judgment. And then we want to get to know our negative and our positive shadows. Those negative shadows, again, can be forms of trauma that we've experienced, failures that we've gone through, disappointments that may have been implemented upon us by other people. And those shadows then inform the way that we think. So it's important that we actually look at that, face that, process that, because we will find ourselves slipping into sort of this autopilot mindset of, um, you know, how things have imp impacted us and how we then respond to it. And those positive shadows, those are the strengths. Those are the things, the gifts that we have that we're afraid of or that we've suppressed or that we don't even know is there. So this is how you stand in your truth. A relativistic perspective of self, people who view you from a relativistic perspective, and embracing those positive and negative challenges. You know, a lot of people say, when you're going somewhere, you don't want to look back. But I beg a different. For her to see her father celebrate his graduation, it's the best feeling in the world. I can't lie and say it was easy. But sometimes you just have to stop everything and take it in. I looked at everything in a different light. And I realized it started with me going back and getting my high school diploma. If you need to do something to feel okay to drive, you're not okay to drive. Don't drive buzzed. them enough to drive an hour to cheer them on as they get beat 11 to nothing in the rain, then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're correctly buckled in the back seat. My Shiro doesn't always wear a cape, but she always has time for a hug, a smile, for going the extra mile. My Shiro stretches every dollar, puts in long hours, puts others first. But now it's your time, Mom. When you're ready to retire, we want you to be able to enjoy it. It's time to start saving now. A free three-minute online chat can give you the personalized tips you need to start boosting your retirement savings today. Visit aceyourretirement.org slash Shiro. I want to tell you a little bit about 
the trauma behind trust. Now, there are a lot of us who have had our trust betrayed in a number of different ways. And there is actually a negative reaction or a traumatic trauma response that we can experience as a result of having our trust be betrayed. And there is a term for this, and it's called pistanthrophobia. Pistanthrophobia is a severe fear of being hurt again. And this fear dictates the ways in which we enter into relationships, um, the way we engage with other people, the way we work with other people, the way we play with other people. And so pistanthrophobia inhibits our ability to build trusting relationships. And I know we have all, you know, talked about this idea of I've been hurt, I've been brokenhearted, I've been disappointed, I've missed opportunities, and I struggle with trusting people. Well, pistanthrophobia it actually goes a bit deeper because it creates, like many phobias, a debilitating ability or debilitating response to our relationships. So it literally inhibits our ability to embrace the idea of trusting people again. So as I mentioned with the first truth, part of being able to stand in our truth is the willingness to engage with and build relationships with other people who can see us from a relativistic perspective. But if we have a severe aversion to trusting other people, to being able to open up and welcome them into our lives, then it will inhibit our ability to build those critical relationships that we need in our life. Now, it's, of course, not wise to trust any and everyone. This is not about indiscriminate trust. It really is about the ability to build healthy relationships without the first thought and the first lens always being about whether or not you can trust the person. And that, of course, takes a lot of work for people who really do struggle with this idea of pistanthrophobia. Now, there are different ways that you can get support around that. You might need to check out a therapist, um, do a lot of reading, join groups, and find out what it is that you need in particular in order to be able to open up and build that trust. So how do you know if this, this fear of trusting people is one that you need to be concerned about? If you are unable to build trusting relationships with people, if it is truly a barrier for you, if you look around and you realize you trust nobody, I would definitely have that checked out because you want to be able to build relationships with people as this is the key to your advancement and growth. First of all, Katie, I just want you to know that everything you thought James was up to, there's no truth in it at all. He wasn't talking to anyone else, he wasn't seeing anyone else, and he wasn't even thinking of anyone else. It's incredible how all of us in our current relationships project experiences from the past, whether it's been interactions, people, situations that we've been through before, we start creating that reality again and those insecurities of the past start mirroring our reality today. And we all experience this at different stages of our life. We all experience insecurities in work, relationships, friendships and even family. And when that happens, we let our insecurities completely destroy something amazing something that has so much potential, something that is free from all the negativity that we had before, but we're still carrying it with us today. And the truth is, if we have insecurities or we have doubts, it's okay to voice them. It's just about voicing them in the right way. When you choose to attack or accuse someone, it immediately puts them on the defensive. It scares the other person away, especially when they haven't done something wrong. But if we can approach these situations with maturity, being conscious, being aware, and discussing them, in a proper sense, sharing how we feel, then we allow the other person to come with sensitivity. We allow the other person to help us through this challenge. 
psychologically, our mind starts to think and plan and sometimes plot, how can I keep that from happening again? How can I keep myself out of that situation? And sometimes we may become hypervigilant to the point of we just don't want to do anything. We don't want to be involved with anybody because we're so afraid of experiencing that level of hurt again. And for some people, even spiritually, uh, they can begin to, to mistrust their higher power. How could you have let this happen to me? How could you have let me uh, get in that situation? Um, some people, you know, even the universe is against me. And it's really hard um, to move forward when you're experiencing all of these levels of mistrust. But what happens is our brain, um, when we are extremely hurt, our brain sees that as a trauma or something that we should fear, or a threat. And what happens um, is our brain is hijacked at that moment. It's it's kind of like you may have heard of the fight or flight or faint syndrome. When you come across a barking dog, um, your body is either saying, you know, we're going to fight it, we're going to run, uh, or sometimes we're just going to faint. Same thing with hurt. But what happens um, is the primitive part of your brain, the part of your brain that is focused on survival, that part kicks in and takes over because your your brain is saying we got to protect ourselves. We have to protect ourselves. But what happens is when your primitive brain is functioning primarily, we don't have as much access to the cognitive parts of our brain, um, the part of our brain that helps with problem solving, with conflict resolution, with critical thinking, um, with making decisions, with being able to evaluate things because we're just focused on, I can't be hurt. I can't be hurt. So we're on survival. So we're not able to do those things cognitively that would actually help us uh, to move on and be able to, to transition past the hurt. Um, mistrust keeps us isolated from other people. It keeps us from joy. It keeps us from building resiliency. So there are a couple of things that we really need to do um, to be able to begin trusting again. The first thing I would say is to evaluate the hurt, figure out what piece, what fault, if you may, belongs to who and why, um, and then process those feelings. Uh, and if there are things that you see in it that you can change, Make those changes, whether that's making changes of the people that you allow in your life, the places that you allow yourself to go, or the experiences that you allow yourself to partake of. Make changes that increase your chances of being safe, that increase your level of safety. And once you do that, you're able to begin taking a few more risks slowly uh, because you know that you've kind of done as much as you can to create a safe space for you to move forward in. So start taking some risks to trust um, one person, then trust another person. And then what happens is when you begin to trust and you've, you've kind of insulated it, so you're, you're trusting people who tend to be more trustworthy, then your brain picks up on um, these positive feelings and you begin to replace the positive feelings for the negative feelings that you had before. Um, and then your brain gets stronger and it's willing to take more risk. And it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. The more trustworthy people you trust, the more you're willing to trust. And then you, you begin to be able to move back into relationships uh, and come out of isolation. And the more positive relationships we're in, the more joy that we have in our lives, the more resiliency you build to be able to deal with things in the future. Um, so hurt is a big, it's a big thing. It's a major thing. It's not to be taken lightly. Um, and trust really is something that we have to navigate well. Um, because it really can be one of the, the pivotal parts um, of our wellness. There is power in joy. And this week's power gear is my Righteous Rage Resilient Joy shirt. Now, this design comes in the form of tank top, as I am wearing now, and sweatshirts, as well as t-shirts. Now, this is a profound statement because as we look at some of the things that have been happening in the world that create a rage in us, we want to look at this from the standpoint of a righteous rage and how we can right the wrongs out there 
But also, we want to use our resilient joy as a way to fuel our energy and to help us overcome some of the most difficult times. So go to my store on thejoywhisperer.org. Go to the store and look for the designs, Righteous Rage, Resilient Joy, and let your voice be heard. More of the Joy Whisperer coming up. Hmm, maybe you can make retirement happen. After all, you made home ownership happen. Homeschooling yourself on loans, beefing up your credit score. So I'm pre-approved. You were like, yes! Sorry. Color coding listings, ticking boxes, and flushing every toilet in a 20-mile radius. Home sweet home. You aced house hunter. Now get the tips you need to get on track at aceyourretirement.org. If you need to do something to feel okay to drive, you're not okay to drive. Don't drive buzzed. If I could be you, you could be me for just one hour. If we could find a way to get inside each other's minds. If you could see you through my eyes instead of your ego. I believe you'd be surprised to see that you've been blind. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Yeah, before you abuse, criticize, and accuse. Walk a mile in my shoes. Walk a mile in my shoes. Well, before you abuse, criticize. Walk a mile in my shoes. STEM is the discipline of hard numbers. Precise. No margin for error. Dare to forget that. Dare to have fun with it. Get weird with it. Dare to get messy. Or just mess it up. Dare to program something internet-breaking. Record-breaking. Dare to blow their minds. Dare to try. Dare to fail. Dare to keep daring. Science! Dare to learn the difference between organic, sedimentary, and non-foliated metamorphic rocks. Get outside. Find those rocks. Dare to be homeroom famous. A high school fable. Dare to send those old STEM theories flying past the neighbor's house into outer space. And for the love of STEM, dare bigger. Dare to code. Dare to invent. Dare to explore. Dare to STEM. Check out She Can STEM to get started. It's all is good, it, baby. Is it really all good? If you love me enough to routinely test your handyman skills, not to mention the strength of your marriage, then of course you'll visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat to make sure I'm in the right car seat. It's time to tag a friend in this conversation. The way I get myself out of, like, struggles is... I usually, you know, let my emotions out first, like I cry and, you know, be angry or whatever the emotion may be. Um, and then, because I feel like it's healthy to let out your emotions before you do, decide to do take action on anything. And then after that is when you I make, like, my game plan of what's next. Truth number two is to give voice to our inner voice. Too often we hear our inner voice. We know that there is a direction that we should move or that somebody that, you know, we should reach out to or pay attention to and we just don't listen. And it's important for us. We are the only species on this earth who do not listen to our instinct and our inner voice. And so it's important for us to learn how to do that, to learn how to even hear our inner voice. And the inner voice, at least for me, comes in a number of different forms. It could be me speaking to myself, um, you know, and just really sort of reflecting within. It could be a spiritual voice in which I believe God is speaking to me. And it can also be the voice of wisdom that maybe has been passed down to us 
from um, people we love, care about, admire, and respect. So to be able to hear that inner voice is going to be very important, especially when we are dealing with um, an uncovering of the shadows in our lives. Many of us have experienced adverse life experiences, um, different things that have created traumas and fears in our lives. Um, there's a term called adverse childhood experiences um, that Naomi Burke is, has, has really championed um, that particular topic. And, and that has a profound impact on how we hear ourselves and the, and the inner voice and what those messages are. But there are also adverse adulthood experiences that we experience. People have gone through divorce. People have experienced loss of job and, and a lot of things that have created adverse experiences. So it's important for us to be able to listen to that voice and to follow the path that deep within we know we ought to follow. That, that man in the back there, he says, women can't have as much rights as men because Christ wasn't a woman. Well, where did your Christ come from? Where did your Christ come from? He came from God and a woman. Man didn't have nothing to do with it. woman God ever made was strong enough to turn the world upside down all alone. Well, these women here together ought to be able to turn it back and get it right side up again. And they ask him to do it. The men better let them. So I'm curious because you just gave a list of, uh, you know, if any one of those things happened to somebody, that would be kind of their story that, you know, here's where, what, you know, the traumatic thing that happened to me when I was 14 or, or so forth, um, you know, and you have, you, you named multiple things that happened. Is there, do you think that there was a, a predisposition where you just kind of predisposed to be more resilient or were there specific strategies that you just had to say, you know what, I need to wake up and adjust and pivot and, and make some kind of change to my life. Like how did this happen for you that you found joy after all of it? <laughs> you know, I, I sat at my kitchen table one time and I think I write about it in my first book and I was done. I was out. I had fought it for so hard and I was so unhappy and so miserable. And I remember my husband looking at me one time and we've been together 25 years. Actually, next week we started dating in grade 10, like we were kids. And he looked at me and he's like, Don, you don't dream anymore. And I was like, what? And he's like, you used to have a bucket list. You used to have dreams. You used to have like, you know, like I want to drive a red car. I want to you know, travel to Europe, whatever it was. He's like, you stop dreaming. Hmm. And I was like, yeah, because I don't actually want to be alive. Wow. And he was like, what? And I was like, I can't imagine living in this head for the right, for, for another like what, 20, 30, 40, 50, 70, 90 years. Like, I don't want to be in this head or this body for that long. I can't, I can't do this. Hmm. And he's always had a deal with me that as long as I fought for me, he would stick around and fight for me as well. Wow. Which some people get really mad at. I'm like, no best thing he ever did for me yes. right like healthiest <laughs> healthiest boundary to put in a relationship ever right and it really came down to I sat at my table my will was out my power of attorney was out the meals were in the freezer I was out I was out I was done mm. and I heard this little voice in my head just go one more time Don just give it one more shot it's been scientifically proven that we hold our ancestors trauma in our DNA for up to three generations. And there's so much research now being done on epigenetics and all of this stuff. And it's one of the only programs in the world, at least that I know of, and now being studied by doctors and studied by psychologists and psychiatry in how to actually find those trapped emotions, those unrepressed emotions in our body and release them. Yeah. Wow. It's the coolest training and work where, you know, the presenting emotion, the presenting trauma can be one thing. And when you can track it to the base of it, the core of it, and where it actually came from and release it at that point, because they've proven now that 
it triggers unrepressed emotions will trigger your HPA access, which is your hypothalamus, pituitary, adrenals, right? And we have adrenal fatigue going on everywhere. And so much of that is our emotions. Yeah. It's our emotions trapped in our body that are like, just deal with me and let me out. But wow. the crazy thing is your body can't tell the difference between those and being chased by an, a bear. Like it triggers your fight or flight response mode in the same way. And so it's something that I've brought into my practice in the last six months to really help clients that are like, you know, this is my presenting emotion and my trauma, but what are the emotions that are attached to it that maybe started at a way earlier date, right? But also what if it's not mine? What if this is actually trauma from my childhood or from my parents or my grandparents? So yeah, it's really cool stuff. Wow. Wow. Yeah. You know, it's interesting because we've covered, um, I guess we've covered this topic on the show a couple of times, but with looking at specific populations. So um, Joy DeGroote, for example, has done work on post-traumatic slave disorder and mm -hmm. the idea that some of the things that have happened that happened during the, the time of, of American slavery has uh, an emotional impact and, um, you know, has carried in the DNA of people Today, um, even the, and I don't know who did this research, so I can't really credit it at the, you know, on the whim like this. But there is um, also research looking at slave owners and how the DNA for the mindset of being able to be a slave, because there has to be some level of numbing to humanity that you have to be able to do. And that has also been passed on through the DNA, which is so interesting. Yeah. So, yeah, this work is so necessary. I, I mean, I'm just thinking if with if if those two populations alone, if you could do work, <laughs> you know, in that in those two areas alone, that's only I mean, that's only the tip of the iceberg, you know, with hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. And it's also like when it comes down to like conception, right? So mm -hmm. when you were raised under rejection. Right. Because like we learn to bond in utero. That's where we learn yeah. that. We learn love. That's where we learn all these things. And so even that, like when you were born, and this is a huge thing that I'm really focused on right now because, well, I'm writing another book about that is being raised in rejection because that's my oh. own part of my own story. Wow. But when you then get to this point where it's like people have an inability to bond and they don't know how and when that even comes from the fact that like I was talking to a client the other day and um, actually his, he gave me permission to talk to his mom. Cause I was like, I'm really curious what you, what conditions you were raised in and born under. And he was like, what doesn't want to know what was going on in his parents' lives. Right. Yeah. But when you can look at that and be like, wow, just the, just, you know, how your parents were living at the time, their stress levels, your mom's emotions, all those things, how much that even affects you in utero, which yeah. now is causing emotional stuff like in your 30s and 40s and 50s and 60s, right? right? When you can really even dive into that, like it's just, it's so mind blowing how it all plays, right? And how it affects us in ways we don't even realize. Well, so, and that was the third, I'm so glad you said this because that was a third example of um, this phenomenon that I was going to mention is we also had um, Dr. Cleopatra from UCLA on the show and she deals with um, conception and helping women conceive, but she also has a whole program that helps to deal with all of those preconception emotions and traumas and things that are going on. So it's not passed on to the baby. So this stuff is real. I mean, so so here I am saying, I don't know, what is some conscious imprinting techniques? And lo and behold, we've covered it three different times on the show. So to your point, this, is, this, this work is being done and this work is so important. Yeah. And it's, it's one of the only ways that I've seen it actually, like I've heard about it my whole life. Wow. Right. And I was raised in an old fashioned Mennonite environment, right? So family from Germany and the U.S. and all over the place that I used to always joke that my family and heaven forbid they hear this, but there's like a pride of being poor and this poverty mentality. And I was like, why do we have this? Right? Like, why do we have this? Like, we don't need this. We can actually succeed and we can thrive and we can do all these things. But I was like, wow, this is so genetic. Like this is right back to like world war days that this is wow. how we 
have to think we have to feel is almost the mentality. And so breaking out of those molds, even in my own healing in my own life, right? This is such a thing. And so when I was doing my own work, that's when I found this program and it was the only one I could find that actually was like, no, no, no. This is how you like dig in, find it, heal Mm -hmm. it, release it and go. And it's been mind blowing the changes that my clients have seen that I've seen in my own life. It's really most of my family, they never graduated high school or even let alone go to college. So I'm trying to break that barrier. Every day after work, went straight to school, studied hard, and and it paid off. I could not have done it alone. I see the future is really bright for me. The high school diploma is just added to the confidence, and now I feel unstoppable. Find free adult education classes near you at finishyourdiploma.org an amazing experience. It was so much more than I expected. I didn't quite know what I was getting into when I signed up for this. Was it the right program for me? Was I going to get what I needed out of it? I got what I needed and more. For anyone considering becoming a coach, I highly recommend this program. This weekend intensive was so awesome. Uh, It allows structure and discipline and it's an efficient process. And most importantly, you have instructors that bring real life experiences that bring the content to life. I got practice. I'm not afraid to walk out and coach somebody right now. I also got clients and booked clients from those discussions. I also booked a speaking engagement from this weekend. This was way more than I could have imagined. We're just phenomenal. You know, I I don't really think I could have asked for much more. It's all good, baby. Is it really all good? If you love me enough to routinely test your handyman skills, not to mention the strength of your marriage, then of course you'll visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat to make sure I'm in the right car seat. So this week's whisper in my ear is a common question that I get, especially from singles. And if we're being honest, I've had this question myself. So the question is, I am single and would love companionship, but to be honest, I can feel myself losing hope. The dating world is so discouraging. How do I keep myself from getting bitter and giving up on it altogether? That's such a good question. And the reason why it's such a good question is because there are so many different types of messages going around in the dating world about what we should and should not do, how we should and should not feel. And it can leave us in a whirlwind, especially if we are not satisfied with our dating experiences. So one of the things that I I like to remind myself often is to try to detach myself from a specific timeline or a specific outcome. Because honestly, the timeline that I was attached to 13 years ago has long passed. (laughs) So... If we attach ourselves to the specifics, a specific timeline, a specific way that it's all going to happen, we are really setting ourselves up for disappointment. So think about how you can free yourself from that and allow yourself to just enjoy the journey, enjoy the process, and maybe set smaller milestones that might say, you know what, I'm going to challenge myself to go on three dates this month, you know, but give yourself smaller, more palatable goals that will enable you to enjoy the presence and the process rather than solely focus on anticipating the future. The second thing is to surround yourself with positive people. And this is so key because there is a lot of negativity when it comes to this world of dating. Now, I think it depends largely on probably age group and experience, Um, because what I've found is that as I climb a little bit more into the 40s, as I get to know people that are more in their 50s, there is a level of sort of hardness, bitterness, stagnation that that I see now than what I saw in my 30s. There's a little bit more hope, a little bit more energy. And so it's important that as you think about your age group and possibly what your cohort um, of your age group has gone through in dating, 
gravitate to, towards those people who have experienced or who have chosen the more positive outlook on their experiences rather than the bitter, the blame. I would say stay away from the, the blame culture at all costs because all that does is spiral us into negativity. And the third one is to feed your spirit with content that would help you grow. So this could mean joining an organization, a group, a community of people who discuss this topic or, or topics that are related. It might mean reading a book, listening to a podcast, even taking a class, going to church, joining other uh, communities of people. But feed your soul with content that will help you grow. Truth number three, recreate your future. Now, part of recreating your future means having hope for your future. And if your shadows have sort of pulled you out of the realm of hope, it's going to be really important to figure out how to rebuild that hope. And what I love about this idea of hope is that there, there's a researcher, um, Snyder, who dissected hope and gave it sort of a formula where you actually can look at how hope is created and what makes up hope, and then how to build it in your own life. So hope, according to Snyder, is it consists of two particular components, one being agency and the other being pathways. And with the combination of these two elements, we are able to foster hope in ourselves and in others in ways that can really get us looking at the future in a very different and more positive way. So let's look at this idea of agency. Agency is, I, is your ability to be able to make things happen, to move forward with the things that you'd like to see happen in your life. So in order for you to be able to have hope, first and foremost, you've got to have a sense of agency over your life or over your situation. So if, for example, you are looking to change careers and your mindset is that, well, there's really not much I can do, then nothing is going to happen in the direction of you changing careers. On the other hand, if you have a sense of agency around your own career and the destiny of your career path, then you might say, I'm going to start networking. I'm going to start talking to people. I'm going to start filling out resumes or submitting resumes, filling out applications. I am taking agency over my own situation. So it really is that part that part that's on you in order to move forward and make things happen. So when we have that sense of agency, whether or not we've taken action yet, we have part of what it takes to have hope. Now, pathways is the other side of things. These are the resources and the um, support systems that are in place that can help us move forward. So the pathways for somebody looking for a job, for example, might be having the right connections or having a uh, path of education that, is, that can direct you there. And so that combination of your own agency and the pathways or resources are what is going to comprise your hope. So remember, if you are really struggling with hope in a particular area, you need to, number one, build your agency, and number two, recognize, acknowledge, and utilize those pathways. Today, in half of the world, we see rapid progress and development. However, there are many countries where millions still suffer from the very old problems of war, poverty, and injustice. We still see conflicts in which innocent people lose their lives and children become orphans. Why is it that countries which we call strong are so powerful in creating wars but are so weak in bringing peace. Why is it? Why is it that giving guns is so easy but giving books 
is so hard why is it why is it that making tanks is so easy but building schools is so hard we are living in the modern age and we believe that nothing is impossible in this 21st century we must be able to give every child quality education some will say this is impractical or too expensive or too hard or maybe even impossible but it is time the world thinks bigger dear sisters and brothers dear fellow children we must work not wait not just the politicians and the world leaders we all need to contribute me you we it is our duty Thank you. You know, a lot of people say when you're going somewhere, you don't want to look back. But I beg a different. For her to see her father celebrate his graduation, it's the best feeling in the world. I can't lie and say it was easy. But sometimes you just have to stop everything and take it in. I looked at everything in a different light. And I realized it started with me going back and get my high school diploma. drive an hour to cheer them on as they get beat 11 to nothing in the rain then surely you'll check nhtsa.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're correctly buckled in the back seat it's time to tag a friend in this conversation i um do my best to work hard i um have a good work ethic but i always uh, think outside the box i mean Every hurdle is just a lesson to be learned and I do my best to stay in tune to the life of God to understand why things are happening. Every week I get inbox gems from people who want to share with me videos of joy that they've come across, images of joy, expressions of joy, and it honestly brings me a great deal of joy to receive these. So I'm so thankful to all of you. Keep them coming. Well, this week's inbox gem, I have to say, I sent to myself. <laughs> Because in this season of graduation, it has been so beautiful to see everyone's celebration of their victories. This one comes from a friend of mine who is now newly minted, Dr. Donald Coleman. And if you know anything about Dr. Coleman, he is a dancer and he will express his joy in the form of dancing. So, I'm going to show you this video of newly Dr. Donald Coleman and his celebration of his great victory from the University of Georgia. Honestly speaking, it has been really difficult for me to turn on the news lately. You know, we turn it on and we find out about a violent act that's happened, a shooting, an insane law that has been passed. Um, you know, just all of these different levels of inhumanity 
sort of daunting us every at every angle because I can refuse to turn on the TV and not watch the news, but still be inundated on social media with the news. And so how do we remain hopeful or repair a sense of hopelessness when we continue to see these sorts of things happen? I want to bring this to your attention because there are extreme cases of hopelessness that occur that can cause us to really spiral in a way that is debilitating, in a way that just sort of um, prevents us from progressing and moving forward and um, engaging in a resilient type of joy. One of the ways to describe this extreme sense of hopelessness is a term called acedia. Now, acedia is defined as apathy or indifference at good or even the possibilities of good. So this is somebody who refuses to embrace the possibility that a good thing can happen. And it's not that they're doing it on purpose or that they're being willful, but it's that they have genuinely lost hope and have become apathetic about the everyday turn of events in life. So it is this idea of sort of allowing life to just go the way it goes and not really believing that anything good will come out of life. It's a type of joylessness that is obsessed with self-numbing because I don't want to feel the negative things in the world and I also don't want to feel the positive things because all that's going to do is get my hopes up. So I rather feel nothing at all. And so the obsession with self-numbing can come in the form of different substances, staying away from people, um, but anything that will sort of keep you in this mellow state of not you know, experiencing high emotions in either direction. And what it really does, though, is it, it puts us in a lower state of mind, in a lower um, emotional state where we think that we aren't experiencing the extremes, but what we are indeed experiencing is an extreme sadness. Um, it really is a self-protective measure to help us avoid the realities of life's disappointments because these life disappointments are unpredictable. They can come at any turn. You can be anticipating going out to dinner with a friend and the friend cancels. So those levels, as minor as it may seem, is just more evidence that things aren't going to go well in life. It's also sort of this zombie-like channel surfing mode where you're just sort of going through all the different things in life in zombie mode, switching the channels of your life, but not really committing to anything. So three ways to solve this is number one, get help. Find out what kind of help you need and seek that out. Number two, talk through it in your own language in a way that you understand, in a way that resonates with yourself. And it could be through writing, it can be through talking to a friend, whatever works for you. And then number three, tap into your joy resilience. Tap into your resilience. Think about ways that you have overcome in other aspects of your life and tap into them. I would like to share a bit about my own racial identity. In sharing some of my own story, I hope to shed light on the necessary discomfort I feel as I change my own beliefs and behaviors about race and social justice. I believe the beloved community is possible when and if people who look like me, other white people, commit to something I call unlearning. In my core, I feel that I am you and you are me. We are each other. Honesty and kindness are values I live by every day, and it is with these values that I want white people to know that tonight as I talk about unlearning, I am speaking to you. Black lives matter. Black life matters. Blackness matters. Black joy matters. But trust me when I say that diving into those shadows is often a key to our joy. So if we take the time to dig deep and find out what's hidden underneath, we may be able to create a future for ourselves that is full of hope 
and joy and takes us into the direction that we would like to see ourselves go. Thank you so much for joining me for this week's episode of The Joy Whisperer. Join me every Thursday at noon Eastern time on the SSN TV channel on Roku. Also, let's keep this conversation going on social media, on my LinkedIn page or on Whispering Joy in LinkedIn. Now remember, joy is our greatest energy source for our resilience, our restoration, our relationships, and our resistance. Have an amazing week. There's more to come on SSN TV, television, all the way up.